Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you will fall in love with Jesus, find a church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Now let's join the message already in progress. Amen. Thank you, brother. And again, if anyone else has, has a testimony you'd like to share or anything that God is doing in your life, um, I'd like more of that. I think that was good. How many people enjoyed that? Amen. So if you have something, just say, hey, Chris, I, I like to share one time. And you'll notice what he did to help it out. Just so you, because in case you're doing it, he wrote it out. He thought about it. But it wasn't just reading a paper. You could tell even though he knew what he was going to say, it was from the heart. So thank you, brother. That was great. We are in a series, he did mention it, and it, we're talking about character, character and kingdom, the idea that, that we are called to serve a king, Jesus Christ, and, and he put some things forward, and I would say that, and a lot of times we, we don't talk about that in church, we, we don't say that enough, but how we live matters. And I've made it a point every single time to help us all to understand it's, it's nothing that we can do on our own. We can't please God on our own. We can't live right on our own. If we could, Jesus wouldn't have needed to die. It is a work that God does in us. It is a work that Jesus does in us. And so we're going to go to 2 Peter, and we're going we're gonna to be here for this week and next week in the first chapter of 2 Peter because this, I think, is some of the keys um, to be free, to live the way that you know God has called you to live. So let's go to verse 1. We're going to start in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. It says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear this, and I want you to see this. It says, this is who he's writing to. It says, to those who have attained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this is a faith of equal standing. In other words, that's the greatest thing about God is that he accepts our faith kind of all the same way. We are, we are all sinners. We are all loved by God. We are all saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And there's not like one faith that pastors have and then another faith that like people in the church have. Or one faith even that Peter had and then a different faith that we have. And I said last week, it's kind of like some of us think that it's almost like an airplane and that there's some people that get the first class tickets of faith, that they get like the warm towels and the lobster, and then the rest of us are in the back of the parking. But no, it's, it's the same faith that God gives us. You have to understand that. It's, it's a faith of equal standing. It's by faith that we can approach God. It's by faith that we're accepted in his sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And it's by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter, depend on what we did. It depends on what he did. Verse 2, it says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So this idea that that what they have this faith of equal standing, but they still need grace and they still need peace. And he's, he's actually speaking a blessing. And we need to speak those blessings over each other. We, we, we need to pray for grace. We need to pray for peace. And we, 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 need to, we need to be those people that realize we need it every day. And then it says be multiplied. In other words, this great increase of grace, of this undeserved love, and where does it come from? 
the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. See, we're going to talk a lot today that this change in character, because this is still about character, this change in our heart, it doesn't come by more effort. Okay? A tree doesn't produce fruit by squeezing it out. The tree never sits there and goes, A tree produces fruit when its roots are down in soil that is rich. And then the tree just does what its lives are in Jesus through the knowledge of fruit appears. And as our roots of our lives are in Jesus through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, a change happens. And you're going to see that's exactly what he's talking about in verse 3. This is the meat of the message right here. This is some of the deep. Godly power. God has enough power. He is not weak. Has granted to us, us, from God's power, granted to us. And now look what it says. All things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Stop there. So this divine power, God had done, has done something in Jesus. When Jesus died, there was something that happened in God's, with God's power that made sin erased by the blood of Christ. And not only was sin erased, but all things were granted or given to us. Not earned by us, not produced by us, but given to us all things that pertain to life. I want Think about that. Everything you need for your life is a gift because he loves you. And not only life, but this word godliness. This is, this is a hard thing for some of us to swallow, but not only are we called to believe in Jesus, but we're called to godliness. And, and what this scripture passage is going to show us is that we should be godly people and people should recognize it. Like, it should be, you should be the most godly people some pe- people know. When people look at you, they see a life that maybe is not perfect, but reflects and represents this wonderful God. The only way to experience comes through the knowledge of him. See, the only way to experience this change and to experience godliness and to get all this, it comes through knowing him. Now, I know we say that. It's, it's not just a religion. It's a relationship. But do you know him? Have you spent time with him? Do you understand who he is? But then look who he calls us. It says him. It says he calls us to his own glory and excellence. See, Jesus died on the cross a horrible death. He was bloodied and bruised and rejected. But that's not how he is right now. Right now, he is in glory. He is resurrected. His body is new. He is at the right hand of the Father, and it is at that place that he calls you to. He says, come to me. See, sometimes we, we, we only get the image of the cross, and, and that's good. The image of the cross is wonderful. We, that's our foundation But the story doesn't stop on the cross. He was resurrected. And he wasn't just resurrected. He ascended. And that is where he's calling us to, to his own glory. And if he's calling us to his own glory, we got to hope and we got to believe that he's going to give us what it takes to get there. Because we can't. How could any of us experience the glory of God and live? 
It's impossible without Christ and the work that he does and, and the blood that covers us and the grace that he's given us. It says he's called us to his own glory and excellence. So this knowledge of him is so important. And look at verse 4. It goes on. It says, by which he granted to us precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. I believe this is still going back to the knowledge of God that grants us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And it's through that knowledge of God by which he has granted us. When we come to understand Jesus and know Jesus, we know his promises. His promises are what give us hope. His promises will help us understand that he's promised to forgive our sins and we can be forgiven. He's promised to love us even when we're unlovable and he's promised to help us in our weakness when we're very weak. It's these promises and he says they're precious. I'm so happy to see baby Calvin back there. He looks beautiful and I said, man, he's precious. Dollar amount in this world that could get his mom and dad to give him up. There's not a pile of gold big enough. There's not a diamond big enough that they would trade that out for. Do we treat God's promises with that same preciousness? Or have there been piles of gold that have caused us to turn away from God's promises and put our faith in that pile of gold? How stupid is that? How stupid is it for us to think that this pile of gold that maybe we have in our bank account with American dollars in it, but it's still this pile of gold that, that we trust more in that pile of gold than we do in Jesus. And he's saying, no, it's these promises, they're precious. you got to hold on to them. And he says, not only are they precious, but they're very great promises. Not only is Calvin precious, but that's a big baby. And God's promises are big, and, and, and they're great, and they're very great. They're bigger than you can understand. And, and I use that jokingly, but to make a point that God's promises are valuable, and they're big. God has made huge promises to you. And what is it? It says, so that, so that these promises are here for a purpose. Let's think about this. So that through them, through what the promises, through them who you may become partakers of the divine nature. This is one of the concepts that's so hard to talk about because you can move into a heresy really quick. All right? But what it is saying is that, that you are partakers, you're sharing, you're participating somehow in the divine nature. The best explanation I can give is Christ became man. He participated in our nature. He took on our flesh and, and lived a life like we live, takers of his nature. And isn't that what it talks about at the end? When we're in our glorified, resurrected bodies, that we get this new way of being that is just like him. It says, I don't know what it'll be like, but I know we'll be like him. I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but, but we get to participate. We get to share in God's 
nature. And then it says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire or because of lust. See, all corruption comes from sin. Nobody in the government is corrupted for a good reason. Nobody is corrupted so that they can, you know, do something nice for you. They get corrupt so they can take care of their own kingdom. And all corruption, whether it's corruption in our political systems, corruption in our families, corruption in our, in our own hearts, our, when our own hearts are corrupted, it's because of this sinful nature, these sinful desires. And what's the way out? The knowledge of him. Knowing him, knowing what he's done and trusting him to do the work because you can't get out yourself. He is the way out. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so by knowing him, there's something that happens in our hearts and we are changed by his word and by his spirit. So it's a work of God in our lives. And I want to read... I want to read one more verse, and then we're going to baptize some people. It says, for this reason, because it's through the knowledge of him, because it's been granted to you, because make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and your virtue with knowledge. This is where we're going to start next week, but I'm going to give you a hint. So you have faith in Christ, right? If you have faith in Jesus, if you've trusted in him for salvation, and if you found your hope in him, then add virtue. That word virtue, say, what does that mean? That's moral excellence. Here's, I'm going to tell you my best explanation of this. The things that you know to do that are good, do them. Be good to the best of your ability. That's what it's saying right there because it says add to your virtue knowledge. So right now, you have some things that you know are right. Maybe being honest, maybe being kind, maybe being generous, maybe being forgiving, maybe being loving. You have some knowledge of what it is to do right. What you know to do, do. And then it says add knowledge. It means you grow in the knowledge of God, which means there might be some things you know to do now that as you grow up in Christ and as you learn his word and you learn how he feels about certain things, that you won't do them tomorrow. Add to your faith virtue. Be virtuous. The good that you know to do, do. And then add knowledge. Dig into God's word, which is what we've been doing, and learn about the way he wants us to live. But no, you can't do it on your own. It's only through Jesus Christ. It's only through the work that he did on the cross. In fact, baptism, which we're going to move to now, it is that story. When we baptize somebody, what are we doing? We're going down. We're laying their body down. That's symbolic of being unified with Christ on the cross. In other words, our old lives go down. We don't want to live with the fear of man anymore. We got to lay it down. We got to let it die. We don't want to trust in our pile of gold anymore. We got to lay it down. We got to let it die. But that's not the whole story. See, we don't leave them in the water. That would make baptism so easy if we just pushed them down there and walked away. But that's not what you do. 
You got to actually bring them back up. And that's saying that you're not only unified and understand and the fact that, that yes, you go down and you let some things die, but this new life comes inside of you. And you've got these new great and precious promises. And you have this divine nature that you're partaking in. And all of a sudden, joy that you didn't have before comes from him. Peace you didn't have before comes from him. Confidence you didn't have before comes from him. A new life in Christ. That's why we do this, this ritual that we do in church. Jesus left it for us. And it points back to the, to the cross to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So we're going to slide over here. Kevin, why don't you come up here too, brother? Joanne, you can come too. All right, we have towels available. Here, Mom, why don't you hold some towels because she's going to probably get cold. All right. That was the warmest water we could put in there right now. Oh, it's so warm. It's fine. Don't be afraid, all right? There is no fear, all right? Trust Jesus. Okay, so we're going to go in here, and, and, and we talked earlier today, and, I, and I'm so grateful that you believe in Jesus. I'm so grateful that you have said that you want to follow him, and, and, and you're committing your life, and, and you're so young that there's probably not a lot in your past that you're thinking about. But it's not just your past. It's all the things that man have done to try to please God outside of that. You're saying no to, to a lot of things. And then you're coming up in the newness of life that is through Jesus Christ and the spirit he gives. Amen? All right, so step over here. All right, I'm going to have you kind of sit down.